It's the show the establishment warned you about. Welcome back to the Dr. Tommy Show. Glad you're here. Broadcasting from the free state of Florida, where we are just getting over some debates that we had here. Uh, Governor Christ, I'm sorry, Governor Christ, former Governor Christ and Ron DeSantis uh, had a debate. So we'll cover that. And we'll also cover some other stuff about to do with COVID and uh, some changes that have been happening with the schools, um, uh, different different takes on schools from uh, the left, and then also uh, some stuff about uh, lawsuits that happened having to do with COVID. Um, first, before you, if you ever, if you didn't see it in the free state here, we had that debate. It was last, uh, it was uh, the, earlier this week. I think it was on Monday. We had governor Christ, former governor Christ and current governor Ron DeSantis debated on stage. And uh, one of the things that came away from it was us from uh, uh, the debate. I understand. You think you're going to be running against them. I can see how you might get confused, but you're running for governor. You're running for governor. And I have a question for you. You're running for governor. Why don't you look in the eyes of the people of the state of Florida and say to them, if you're reelected, you will serve a full four year term as governor. Yes or no? Yes or no, Ron? Will you serve a full four year term if you're reelected governor of Florida? It's not a tough question. It's a fair question. He won't tell you. Well, listen, I know that Charlie's interested in talking about 2024 and Joe Biden, but I just want to make things very, very clear. The only worn out old donkey I'm looking to put out to pasture is Charlie Chris. That was our governor DeSantis smacking down Charlie Chris. It's a fair question, he says. Well, it is actually a fair question. I want to know the same, but just the way that he goes about doing it, just set himself up. Uh, Charlie Crist is an old donkey, and so is uh, Joe Biden, and both of them are probably going to be put out to pasture in the next two years, Charlie Crist being next this year, and then Biden in 2024. But uh, it's interesting that um, the the question itself is a good question because there's a discussion now whether or not, even more so now, whether or not DeSantis is going to end up running for president. Before this, I was kind of on the fence about whether he would or not. Now it looks like possibly he will. Uh, I'm not a favored in favor of that, really, because um, I prefer him to stay governor of Florida for as long as possible. And uh, I'm selfish in that manner. Uh, that being said, if he was going to run for president, that's that's OK with me as well. Although I would prefer that Donald Trump run again without having to go through the uh, fracas of dealing with uh DeSantis versus Trump, which is be the two front runners, obviously, at this point for the for the nomination for the GOP. And that's likely to get ugly because Donald Trump does not take well to people who are not, quote unquote, loyal to him. As you can see, anybody who's ever been a part of the Trump inner circle who is no longer part of the Trump inner circle. It's like a uh, hot and cold. You're either you're either with him or with you're against him. And there's no real uh, medium with that. And so if they do have a, um, a confrontation, it, it is possible to get ugly. That being said, you know, no, nobody owes anybody anything. Trump doesn't own the nomination. Uh, DeSantis, you know, doesn't own the nomination either. He shouldn't be able to make Trump step aside just because of his age or that he's been there already. And at the same time, Trump can't expect DeSantis to step aside. Ideally, what would happen would be that DeSantis would stay governor for four years. Trump would win the presidency back. And then also uh, in four more years, then DeSantis would run. That opens up the four more years after that in 28. 
that opens up the problem though this is this is getting into the weeds is what happens then you have trump let's say let's say trump wins and he has a vice president pick whoever you think it's going to be mike pompeo let's say and then desantis is going to then have to run against pompeo in 28 if pompeo presumably wants to become the vice president or i'm sorry the president in his own right or as from vice president be promoted to president um there's only been one recent well actually there's two of them actually now that i think about it the dick cheney was the vice president under george bush george w bush and no one really thought that dick cheney was going to run for president primarily because of his age in retrospect, Dick Cheney really wasn't that old when the eight years of the Bush uh, presidency ended. But Dick Cheney was not in good health. He, subs- he uh, after the fact, he's had a heart transplant now and is apparently doing very well. But at the time, he was not doing very well. He had, he had ended up going on a a uh, left ventricular assist device even to to continue to live after he was out of office. So anyway, Dick Cheney's the only recent powerful vice president who could have stepped in, who chose not to. And that was primarily because of health. And then you have Joe Biden, who primarily because of age, uh, did not go after the presidency, I think, in 2016. Plus the fact that Hillary was, you know, was her turn, quote unquote. And then we, we all know what happened there. Anyway, that's kind of interesting to see that question. It's a good question by Chris. Unfortunately, he got smacked down, and and uh, Ron DeSantis avoided answering it. There was another debate recently too. It was um, John Fetterman versus Doctor Oz. Doctor Oz, when he first started getting on the political scene, this was during COVID when I first started hearing his name politically and he would go on the Sean Hannity and he, he was one of the first people to start talking about Plaquenil as a potential cure or, and or treatment for COVID. And that was considered heresy in the minds of the establishment and still is. Anyway, that showed that Dr. Oz was kind of had a um, independent streak, I guess you call it. He wasn't a uh, full on liberal and then later on when he started running he's running as a conservative and i've seen this play out before where these guys runs as runs as run as conservatives and they turn out to be uh liberals and it may end up that's what happens with dr oz but anyway for this this time point in time dr oz needs to beat john fetterman in order for the the craziness of our country's descent into a uh left-wing um uh hellhole to stop, we need to have Dr. Oz there, even if he ends up not being a truly great conservative, kind of like what happened with Mitt Romney. Anyway, John Fetterman is is here, and here's what he had to, here's what he had to say on the opening of the debate with uh, Dr. Oz. As lieutenant governor, you're running for a seat that could decide the balance of power in Washington. What qualifies you to be a U.S. senator? You have 60 seconds. Hi. Good night, everybody. I'm running to serve Pennsylvania. Oh, poor guy. He's running to use Pennsylvania. That guy is having problems from a stroke. He had a stroke when he was uh, running for the governor. I'm sorry, running for the um, Senate primary, Democrat primary, and he had a stroke. And now he's really doing poorly. And as you could tell from that exchange there, and it didn't get any better, that he's he's not able to do this so the old donkey uh in this case is not old but he still acts like an old donkey and that is uh, john fetterman 
And the other old donkey is obviously Joe Biden, and Joe Biden is disintegrating before our very eyes. So we got the interesting come uh, turn of events coming up in the next 11 days, I think it is, before we have the, the elections. We'll see what happens. We know what's going to happen here in Florida. It'll just be curious to see what happens throughout uh, the next two years, too, with uh, Joe Biden. Is he going to be able to hold on? And then who's going to face him in the GOP from the GOP side? Uh, the big news on the docket today is that Elon Musk is now taking over Twitter. Uh, it's official. He has apparently taken over Twitter. And we know it's official because he has officially or uh, reportedly fired some of the head people at Twitter, including the CEO, the CFO, and uh, somebody else. So right now there is a meltdown understandably going on at Twitter because the people at Twitter believe that they are entitled to their jobs and they're entitled to their jobs no matter what their ideals are as far as whether they align or not with what the new owner of Twitter wants it to be is free speech. And these people are, are, up, in, are up in arms about this. This is from uh, Big League Politics. This is a letter that the Twitter people Workers of Twitter did an open letter to Ron, uh, sorry, to Elon Musk. It says, uh, staff, this is the letter, staff, Elon Musk, and board of directors, we, the undersigned Twitter workers, and they did not sign anybody's name, they just said undersigned, believe that the public conversation is in jeopardy. Elon Musk plan to buy lay off 75% of Twitter workers will hurt Twitter's ability to serve the public conversation. A threat of this magnitude is reckless, undermines our users and customers' trust in our platform, and is a transparent act of worker intimidation. Twitter has significant effects on society and communications across the globe. As we speak, Twitter is helping to uplift independent journalism in Ukraine and Iran, as well as powering social movements across the world. These people uh, think that they are somehow serving humanity when in actuality uh, they're serving themselves. But this is what they says. We demand of current and future, future leadership respect. We demand leadership to respect the platform and workers who maintain it by committing to preserving the current headcount. So basically all they're looking for out for is their, their own job. Safety. We demand that leadership does not discriminate against workers on the basis of their race, gender, blah, 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 blah. Oh, we also demand safety for workers on visas who will be forced to leave the country they work in if they are laid off. So how's that, how are they supposed to demand that? Protection. We demand Elon Musk explicitly commit to preserve our benefits <laughs> those both listed in the merger agreement and not i.e. or e.g. remote work we demand leadership to establish and ensure fair severance policies for all workers before and after any change in ownership okay so they so all they're looking out for in this is uh they make sure they their nest is feathered dignity we demand transparent prompt and thoughtful communication around working conditions we demand to be treated with dignity and not be treated as mere pawns in a game played by billionaires sincerely twitter workers so we'll see what happens with this. So he's going to go into this nest of uh, young radicals and try to clean it up. He may end up having to uh, just fire all of them and start over. They, apparently they have 7,500 employees and he's going to take it down to like 2,500. Um, this person who, the other person who was fired. So he fired Parag Agrawal, a CEO, Parag Agrawal, CFO and legal head, Vija Gade, I'm not how if V V I I don't know how to say that V I J A Y A. So that person was fired, and then he also fired um, this 
guy, Ned Siegel, who is a, a CFO. So he's already cleaning up house there. We'll see. There's a lot of people who are excited about this uh, because they, they want to get back on Twitter. They've been banned off Twitter or whatever the case, and they think that Twitter's all that. I used to be on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter anymore, and I, I, I don't have any plans to go back to Twitter. Getter is what I basically go on now for what I used to use Twitter for, which was basically to keep up with current events because it happens quicker than it going through, you know, scrolling through websites and all that. Although you can get the same thing from websites. But anyway, Getter, Getter is fine for me, but Twitter's coming back. Hopefully uh, less, less, uh, less restriction of free speech because a lot of people do count on Twitter for their communications. But like I said, a lot of people are excited. A lot of conservatives are excited. And a lot of people who have been banned are excited about being back on Twitter. I I don't care either way, really, about getting on Twitter. But I think overall it's a positive thing that at least some people on the left are being uh, made to uh, have a, ha, ha, not have the overpowered influence that they typically have. The The, the left, really is a very small minority, but they have a very large impact that is not, that is not, uh, equal to their size. So they have this, they have this impact politically. that is much larger than their size because they put themselves in positions where they can enact policies and do things that make them more influential than they otherwise would be because their ideas are not very influential. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who like their ideas, but not as many people as they, as their size, their influence is much larger than their size. And uh, it's because they put themselves in these positions of power, like I said, at Twitter and you know MSNBC and all these other places where they basically control communication and information, Google. So it's good to have them kind of knock down the size a little bit. Um, switching to COVID news. This is... This is from earlier this week. New York Supreme Court is from the Daily Wire. New York Supreme Court strikes down New York City vaccine mandate for all city workers, reinstates employees, orders back pay. Unvaccinated New York City workers scored a victory Monday after a New York Supreme Court judge ruled the city's vaccine mandate for all city employees as arbitrary, capricious, and unconstitutional. How about that? Amen. I wonder who this judge was. I wonder who's Judge Ralph Porzio is the judge. I wonder how he, who he's, who appointed him and what his history is. Whatever the case is, he made a good decision here. It says New York City Democratic Mayor Eric Adams fired roughly 2,000 municipal workers, including police officers and firefighters, earlier this year who refused to comply with the COVID vaccination mandate. The court found that being vaccinated does not prevent an individual from contracting or transmitting COVID-19. Uh-huh. Adding that vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals have the same quarantine and isolation guidelines issued by the CDC. That's that's what's happened earlier this year. It's funny that the only only logic that we've had out of COVID when it when it, be, when it comes to the government is through the courts. So not through the executive branch or the legislative branch. Only time outside of, you know, states like Florida, where we actually have people who have some common sense and, and general decency, is through the courts. So the mask mandate, the federal mask mandate on airplanes, if it wasn't for the the judge here in Florida, we would still be flying around with masks on and walking through the airport with masks on. People forget that it was a judge down here in Florida and actually a judge in Tampa federal judge who struck down the mask mandate 
And that's to go on top of the other mandate that they, the OSHA mandate that was struck down by a court. So Joe Biden wanted to force, uh, it was actually struck down by the Supreme Court. Joe Biden wanted to force people to wear uh, masks for going to work, just anybody going to work. And they actually, the Supreme Court actually upheld the fact that uh, healthcare workers, I think it was, who would be forced to wear man would be forced to wear a mask. Anyway, whatever the case is, the courts were, were the ones that were the backstops and the ones that were the ones that actually provided some Americans with relief from this um, from this ty- tyranny. And uh, so, I guess if you're if you're patient and, and there's someone around that's going to sue, then the courts are there. Uh, you, you can count on the courts eventually and just hopefully in the meantime, you're not, you don't get trampled under too much, but a lot of people did get trampled under too much. Obviously if you were fired from your job and some people lost their jobs for refusing to get vaccinated that are not city municipal workers in New York, there's a lot of people across the United States. So hopefully what will happen is a lot of these other people will sue too and sue all these hospitals and all these corporations and everybody who did this, because as this judge says, it's arbitrary, capricious, and unconstitutional, and you can't force someone to get a vaccination that is not a vaccination. That is, if anything, a health. Uh, what do they call it? It's a if it's if it's anything, it's a therapeutic because what they promote it as is now is going to help you stay out of the hospital and help you keep you from dying. Although they say this is this is very well known, uh, I have not seen any any of the data that shows that. But anyway, that's the current that's the current uh, reasoning behind getting the vaccine. Not because it's going to prevent you from getting COVID, but it's going to help you s- stop dying and keep you from dying and, and getting very sick from this. And you cannot force someone to take a therapeutic because you could say the same thing about uh, eating uh, e- eating eating non processed foods. You could say the same thing about not drinking sugary beverages. You could say the same thing about not smoking cigarettes. But you can't fire people for doing that for not doing that, and that's what they did. And uh, it is arbitrary, capricious, and unconstitutional. But like I said, there's lots of people all, all over. I know of people here in, in the in Tampa who, if they weren't fired, they were made to be uh, treated like a like a subhuman you know they they were forced to eat outside they were forced to wear a mask at all times they were when others weren't and as all it was all for compliance and as this judge says the vaccine mandate for city employees was not just about safety and public health it was about compliance jeff judge ralph porzio wrote in his ruling if it was about safety and public health unvaccinated workers would have been placed on leave the moment the order was issued It says, this is what the the attorney who won the case says, it's null and void, essentially. We just defeated the vaccine mandate for every single city employee. And they should, uh, people all over the United States should should follow suit and literally follow suit and and try to get their jobs back or at least be paid for the um, turmoil and and torment that they were forced to for, for vaccines that aren't vaccines, that are therapeutics that they were forced to take and do all these other stupid things. Uh, and then it's funny, too, because here we are. This is this is something from the Gateway Pundit. Actor Tim Robbins just admitted the truth about, quote, safe and effective COVID vaccines. I bought into it. I demonized people. I was guilty of everything that I came to understand was not healthy. 
Oscar-winning actor Tim Robbins admits that he regrets falling for the lies pushed by the government and corporate press surrounding discriminatory COVID measures and COVID vaccines that, quote, do not prevent an individual from tr- contracting or transmitting COVID-19. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny, and it's, it's also good at sometimes that these people who are on the left actually get it. And uh, if they get it eventually, that's better than them never getting it. And uh, so Tim Robbins was one of these people who was lambasting people for not wearing masks, shaming them for not wearing masks. And it wasn't until he started marching in the BLM riots with a mask on that he thought, well, there's something going on here. And he says here, uh, I was angry at people that weren't wearing masks and protesting about it in Orange County. Yet a month later, I was protesting for BLM in the streets with a mask on. A week after that, I kind of had to do a self check on that. I knew there was a little bit of hypocrisy going on there. So he was he was pissed off that people were marching uh, without masks to protest. But then a month later, he was protesting with BLM. And so he said, well, this this doesn't make sense. And he kind of had a, a moment of conscience there. His conscience came to get to him. So, he, you know, he, he he felt he fell victim to what a lot of people fell victim to as far as misinformation from the government saying that if you wear a mask and do all this stuff, then everything's going to be fine. And then he also brought in brought into the thing where you have to be the enforcer as a citizen against your other fellow citizens, and you have to you have to be the one to uh, be the the the, the uh, government's agent in enforcing these rules through threats, intimidation, and and ostracizing your family members and your friends from your life uh, by if they're not wearing a mask or getting vaccines. And he and he kind of had a. A moment of reflection here where he, he's seeing past it. And another thing that made him mad is uh, his theater group, you know, they're having trouble getting people able to act. He's he's the head of this, uh, what's it called here? He's the head of the Actors Gang Theater Company. And he's having trouble with uh, the theater companies not allowing people to participate unless they're vaccinated. And he's saying here, you know, look, it's it's this doesn't make sense. He says, this is on Twitter. Hey, SAG-AFTRA and Actors Equity, it's way past time to end your discriminatory policies. New York Supreme Court just ruled that all unvaccinated New York City employees are, quote, reinstated to their full employment and are entitled to back pay and salary from the date of termination. Being vaccinated does not prevent an individual from contracting or transmitting COVID-19. As of the day of this decision, CDC guidelines regarding quarantine and isolation are the same for unvaccinated and vaccinated individuals. So he's, he's exactly right. But it continues on to this day. I still think I think they're still trying to kick people out of the military for not wearing or for not getting the vaccine. People should have always been able to get the vaccine or therapeutic, whatever you want to call it. And people should have always been able to wear a mask. People should have always been able to social distance. People should have always been able to stay home for Thanksgiving. People should have always been able to wave at their grandparents through glass. People should have always been able to drive around in cars with masks on, but no one else should have been forced to do that. If you want to do all those things, then do it. You know, if it makes you feel better, do it. If you think it's going to help your health, do it. Don't force everybody else to do it. If you have an issue, that's your issue. And this idea that somehow the people around you not doing exactly what you do is going to harm you is bullshit. And it's the same thing with this climate change thing. You know, people want to feel good about climate change and they want to drive an electric vehicle and they want to do all this stuff. That's fine. 
You believe what you believe. I believe what I believe. I know that driving an electric vehicle vehicle does not do anything for your carbon footprint. In fact, if you drive an electric vehicle, you have a very large carbon footprint compared to someone who doesn't drive an electric vehicle because of what it takes to build an electric car and what it takes to build the battery. And what do you do with the battery after it's dead? And you can't do anything with the battery after it's dead. So that's the, that's, that's the truth. But if you want to continue to drive a car, uh, electric vehicle, that's your business, but don't make everybody else do it. You know? And if you, if you believe that eating cows and you don't like to eat cows because cows fart and that's going to ruin the earth, then don't eat cows, but don't force everyone else to do it. But that's the thing is misery loves company. And if they're going to, if they're going to suffer, then you got to suffer too. So if, if they want to drive an electric vehicle, and then a hurricane comes and their electric vehicle turns into a bomb and burns their house down. They want your house to burn down too. Or if a, if a hurricane comes and they have an electric vehicle and then they can't go anywhere because there's no electricity, because that's what happens when hurricanes come and there's no gas vehicle anymore because you, your, your, your state has outlawed it, then they want you to be in the same position as them. And it's the same for everything that have to do with this collectivism. Collectivism is about people doing things uh, that supposedly are in the greater good of the collective and then everyone's got to suffer in order to make uh, some bad thing go away so everyone's supposed to suffer in order for covid to go away well guess what no matter how many masks were worn no matter how many therapeutic shots were given with mrna the covid virus was going to run its course it's very likely that the covid virus would have killed exactly the number of people that it did if 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 there was nothing done on the part of the government actually it may have been less it's it's unlikely that wearing a mask uh or getting the vaccine changed the the numbers grossly by any by any measurable uh amount because if you look at the countries where they have very high vaccination rates shortly after they had these maximum peak vaccinations they had peak death so who knows if there was never an MRA shot given to a person in the world, if, if this just stayed on the shelf where it was before it was put on, how many people would have also, uh, what I mean, how many people, how many lives were saved by it? We don't know. We can't do that experiment. You can't go back in time. But this idea that everyone has to do the same thing just to make you feel better is a totalitarian, tyrannical idea. You should not be forced to do something. You should not force someone else to do something because you feel that way. It's the same thing with these policies to do with race discrimination. Uh, I don't discriminate against anybody based on race. So I don't feel like I need to uh, buy things based on race. Yet here I have this Amazon toy book at home that my daughter likes to look through and every now and then you'll see a toy and it has this little label on it that says black owned business and then if i buy that i'm supposed to be a better person i think but in actuality i don't feel like i need to buy from a black owned business to feel like a better person because i don't look at people based on their skin color i don't care what their skin color is particularly if they're going to build a toy uh, I prefer it be built in America. That being said, most everything's built in China, but that's, that's not about, that's not about race. That's about supporting your economy, supporting your country and not supporting uh, totalitarian regimes that employ slaves or don't employ slaves, make slaves work. But this idea that, you know, 
these people that put this up, I think that they feel guilty because they know in their lives that they do judge people based on their skin color. And it's a sort of projection. And so we're, and so to get around that, they want you to do something that they're doing as kind of a penance. So people who judge people based on their skin color, uh, people on the left primarily who look at people and say, first and foremost, you are what your skin color is, or first and foremost, you are what your genitalia is, or first, first and foremost, you are what, uh, you know, what you, what sexual preference you have. Those people feel guilty. And so they want you to do things that they also do to appease, to make themselves feel better. So people who look at people only based on their race say, I'm going to buy some and, and, and probably look down their nose at people who are not their, the race of them say, I want to buy from a black owned business. And then I'm going to feel better about myself, myself. And then I'm going to, uh, I'm going to put a label on this Amazon toy and say, it's a black owned business, or this is a black story. And I should watch that. You know, it says in the Amazon book, you have to uplift the black businesses, uplift black voices. It says on the, on the TV shows, who are you to say that they need to be uplifted? Isn't that condescending in and of itself? Isn't that racist in and of itself to assume that these people need to be uplifted? And why do they need to be uplifted? It's kind of like what Joe Biden said uh, way back when, when his dementia was just starting or just starting to be seen. He said, uh, he said, uh, black children are, can uh, learn just as well as white children. Or poor children. I forgot what he said. But anyway, he was conflating poverty with race. And uh, that's just kind of that's kind of the problem that we have in our society now is that people look at race and then they feel a certain way about it, maybe because of their own guilt. And then they try to make everyone else join in with them. And it's the same thing with COVID. You know, they feel insecure. They, they, they want to wear a mask and they think maybe you should have to wear a mask, too. They, they got the shot because they feel very scared. So now you have to get the shot, too. I saw the same thing in medical school. I remember I was talking to a buddy of mine about it. I said, um, we're talking about surgeons, surgery and surgery. When you go on the surgery rotation, everyone uh, who's not everyone, most of the surgeons would shit on the idea of being anything but a surgeon because you're not a real doctor. And especially if you did something like family medicine, which is kind of like a just a, a, a weenie type of uh, profession. And I said, you know what? I haven't found one surgeon who's told me that they they regret being a surgeon, or or that maybe surgery isn't that great as is what they said. Is is maybe surgery isn't as great as what they thought it was when they got into it? And he said, you know what? A lot of people will tell you that because they actually do feel like there is a problem with whatever they chose, but they just don't want to say that because then they have to hate themselves for making that decision. And I think that's a lot of what you see with this COVID uh, craziness is that people don't want to admit that what they what they thought originally was wrong and uh and so they just deny it forever this is from uh the federalist it says jake tapper doesn't want to play the quote blame game on covid school closures but midterm voters do despite the willful ignorance of jake tapper the tapper the public knows who's to blame for the appalling state of america's education system if tapper he says this is what tapper said on his uh, CNN show. I have to say, I'm surprised there hasn't been a national conversation about the damage done to kids because of these school closures from COVID. 
Not from COVID, actually. They say it's from the pandemic. They were here, they were this, uh, oh, due to the pandemic, due to the pandemic. No, you know, due to the pandemic, we don't have uh, toilet paper. Due to the pandemic, you have to wait online because there's no workers. Due to the pandemic, this, that, it's actually not due to the pandemic. It's actually due to the government response to the pandemic. Anyway, I have to say that I'm surprised there hasn't been a national conversation about the damage done to kids because of these school closures. We can't just pretend that fifth graders who are now seventh graders, that didn't happen. And not with a blame game. Look, it happened. It was criticized. But here we are. There needs to be a bipartisan movement, you know. Yes. Yeah, so they just want to forget that they're the ones that pushed all this. You know, there were teachers. I mean, sorry, there were parents that went to these school board meetings specifically to argue against the things that Jake Tapper was arguing for. Closing schools, making kids stay home from school, making kids wear a mask, making kids uh, get get vaccines. All these things that potentially harm these kids as far as wearing the mask and being home from school, maybe not the vaccines from learning. But unless they got myocarditis, then obviously that did hurt them or some other side effect. But anyway, the, the school closures and the wearing a mask, as we know, the mask wearing has delayed uh, speech and children who were learning to speak at the time that masks were put on for two years. Anyway, so Jake Tapper was the one along with his buddies who were saying this has to be done. And if we don't do this and you're a bad person, if you don't take part in my level of anxiety about COVID, then you're a bad person. You want to, you want children to die and you want teachers to die. But now he's coming back and saying, look, we don't need a blame game. We just need to recognize this happened. It has to be bipartisan. And then the teachers, I'm sorry, the parents went to these school board meetings and they were like, uh, this is not good. We we don't want this. And what happened to them? Well, of course, they were treated like terrorists by the FBI. Oh, I'm sorry, the FIBI. They were treated by like terrorists by FIBI. You know, um, little munchkin man, what's his name? Uh, Garland. Garland sent out the, the memo saying that we're to treat these parents as domestic terrorists. And now here Jake Tapper is saying, well, well, we, we can't be criticizing every, you know, it happened. There's no blame game here. Robert Busek writes in his article, if Tapper took a moment to step outside his corporate media bubble, he might realize that the conversation has been going on for well over a year. He might even see that this educational establishment's contributions to this conversation have either been to gaslight the public into compliance or intimidate it into silence, usually with the blessing of its political and media allies on the left. There you go. So, you know, this is this is the problem we have with this COVID is that the people who took part in this now want to wash their hands of it and pretend like it didn't happen. And if you're not careful, if you're not very vigilant, if you don't remember, and if you never, if you never thought about it, now you have to think about it because when these people come out and they say this, this is the time it happened this time, next time it's going to happen. They're going to be right back in the same position. They will not have learned. And if you haven't learned, then you're going to have to face the same kind of, uh, consequences that you face this time because of them, we have to learn from the, the mistakes that they made. And not allow them to uh, do this again. And is is it really insane? Because this is from the CDC. I'm sorry, the MSN.com. CDC 
said Saturday, this was last Saturday, that director Dr. Rochelle Wilinski has tested positive for COVID-19. She's experiencing mild symptoms and is up to date with her vaccines. Consistent with CDC guidelines, she is isolating at home and participating in her planned meetings virtually. CDC senior staff and close contacts have been informed of her positive tests and are taking appropriate action to monitor her health. In September, the director received her bivalent Omicron-specific COVID-19 booster shot. Walensky and other officials have warned American public about an upcoming winter surge of COVID-19 infections. They've called on the U.S. to get the booster before the end of the month. In September statement, Walensky said that boosters would provide broad protection against sublineages. The updated COVID-19 boosters are formulated to better protect against the most recently circulated COVID-19. Well, it didn't work. Well, you know, I don't know what, what is the reason really? I mean, if they would offer, if they'd be honest with us, they would tell us did these vaccines quote unquote work or not. And why don't they work? And if they work in some people, why do not work in others? If they were honest, instead of just wanting to push them, no matter what to hell with, uh, any of the, uh, any of the other damage that collateral damage is done, whether it be to people losing their jobs or side effects or whatever the case is, all we have to do is push the vaccine, push the vaccine, push the vaccine. And when something like this happens, when Rochelle Walensky gets the Omicron, I assume it's Omicron that she has now, because that's the circulating variant. And she just got the Omicron booster a month ago. Why does this happen? What? I mean, do they have any idea why it happens? I don't have an idea. I'm not a researcher, but they have unlimited resources at the CDC virtually to study this. My guess is they know why it's happening and that happens because they can't do anything to stop a respiratory virus that happens seasonally like this, like with the flu. And so we have we have to uh just be vigilant when these people come around next time that you don't fall victim for and this time with this bivalent booster they are not going to be able to push it as hard as they pushed other stuff even though the cdc has just recommended it become part of the childhood immunization schedule for the yearly vaccinations and there's some states that are going to enact policies to force kids to get this so we're not going to fall for it here in Florida because we have a governor like Ron DeSantis who's not going to allow it to be forced. He's not going to say it can't be given unless something proves that it's completely dangerous. But he's not going to he's not going to force it. If you want to get it, you can get it. Although they've recommended that um, officially the 18 to 39 year olds not get the vaccine. If, if an 18 to 39-year-old wants to get the vaccine, they can in Florida, but they have recommended not to. Dr. Ladapo has recommended that. So we'll see. Uh, what else is there? This is uh, interesting. This is Prince Harry, who is the uh, younger brother of Prince William, has a book. It's from Breitbart. Prince Harry sets memoir release date. The new book will be all about him. The book will be called Spare and is billed by Penguin Random House as an account filled with, quote, raw and flinching honesty while exuding, quote, insight, revelation, self-examination and hard-won wisdom about the external, about the eternal power of love over grief. 
The memoir's title is an apparent nod to Harry's role as a royal, quote, spare, not the first in line of succession. William, Prince of Wales, is next in line. The tome will be available in 16 languages from Dutch to Portuguese and will also be released in audio edition read by the prince. It says, if you ever wondered what Prince Harry feels about the world, his family, the loss of his mother, Princess Diana, the trials of being born into privileged royalty and the demands of life struggles over constant scrutiny in Mon Montecito, California, wonder no more. Harry has completed a 416 page autobiography, which will tell you all that and much and more, much more. It says uh, he and his American-born wife, Megan, Duchess of Sussex, were interviewed for a March 2021 broadcast by their neighbor in Santa Barbara, California, Oprah Winfrey, that followed the path of inner revelation. The couple spoke of Megan's deep unhappiness with her new life in England, the alleged racism within the royal family, and Harry's fear of his wife's that his wife's life might be endangered had they remained in their native country. Harry and Meghan stepped away from full-time royal life in March 2020, unhappy at media scrutiny and the stricture of their roles. Harry told Winfrey his family cut him off financially and he has had to pay his own way for security with money left to him by his mother. Well, I'll, be, I'll, I'll let you guys know after I read that what, what it was about. It says that Nancy Pelosi's husband has been brutally beaten with a hammer. This is violent home invasion in San Francisco. This is a crazy story. I haven't read it. It's breaking news now. Uh, apparently, the left-wing media is already trying to pin this on somehow conservatives, I guess. It's a new thing the conservatives are doing, breaking into homes and beating people with hammers. But anyway... Uh, uh, I don't know. It's a, a, he's an old guy. So if he got beaten with a hammer, that's, he very well may be, uh, having some, some issues. It says the assailant is in custody and the motivation for the attack is under investigation. Uh, this is a spokesperson for the police department, congresspersons, congresswoman spokesperson. So Nancy Pelosi's spokesperson, Mr. Pelosi was taken to the hospital where he's receiving excellent medical care and expected to make a full recovery. Jeez. During the incident, an 82-year-old male victim was attacked and the suspect was taken into custody. It's probably a crazy person. Uh, two sources with knowledge of the investigation into the attack told the Associated Press that Paul Pelosi, 82, was specifically targeted, severely beaten with a hammer, and suffered blunt force injuries to his head and body. The sources said that Pelosi is being treated for injuries, including bruising and severe swelling. I mean, if he was, if he was attacked with a hammer... Then how do they know he is already going to make a full recovery? He very well, I don't know. It reminds me of when uh, um, George Harrison was attacked at his home. He was attacked. You know, George Harrison lived in a mansion. You know, obviously not exposed to uh, the riffraff that normal people are exposed to, kind of like Paul Pelosi. And then some crazy person came into his house and tried to kill him. I think he's got stabbed 17 times. Uh, what else we got here? Tom and Giselle are Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen are finalizing their divorce. So I guess the bucks are in a, a, a tailspin. Now we're three and five. And uh, I guess even, even a person like Tom Brady's not uh, immune to the domestic disturbances that take place and also the uh, uprooting of your life that takes place when you have a domestic 
problem like a divorce. And I guess the Buccaneers are probably doing poorly because of that. Uh, so anyway, that's all for today. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Join us on drtommy.com slash podcast. And also, if you're listening, subscribe on uh, Rumble or whatever podcast platform you're listening to. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye.